From the Disney battle in Florida to controversy over gender identity propaganda in New Jersey, it's clear that now it's sex education that's revealing new cultural thought lines in our nation. Where does Virginia stand in all this? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, before we get started, I just can't help commenting on this fascinating battle that we're watching right now in real time between tech giants. I mean, you've got Tesla founder Elon Musk and Twitter, and there's this whole interesting cultural element to this tug of war that they're in right now. Because, you know, we've talked about before on the show how it's frightening when big tech joins forces with leftists to cancel out conservative viewpoints. And apparently this whole thing was spurred by Twitter's decision to lock down the Babylon B account. Apparently that was just one overreach too many for Elon Musk and he decided to jump into action. Well, I think that is what's interesting. I mean, it's bad enough how much they cancel, but if you get to Babylon B, which is a satirical, I mean, the whole purpose of it is to make fun of things and they start fact-checking satire. We have, a, I mean, a huge problem. And I think Elon Musk recognized it, which I think was great. He goes out and buys enough stock to be the largest stockholder, which I thought was interesting. And so I thought, okay, I mean, the obvious, the news was immediately going to the board. Is he going to be on the board because you give your largest stockholder a board seat. But he doesn't just want the board. He wants to literally buy the whole thing and take it over, make it private, which I think is fascinating to watch. Yeah, I guess the bigger thing that you're thinking about watching all this is are we at the point now where big tag is such a mammoth that, you know, the average person can't even deal with it. Are we at the point where it takes a billionaire to come and save us from censorship? Is that kind of our, well, you know, our clearly, only hope? I mean, I think there have been other comments, other people frustrated that they've been shut down, but it's not making a dent. And so I'll, it's sad, but I think you're actually right that money is what's going to finally turn this table where you have somebody that can affect change, not because of his opinion, because he literally has to go in and change out the company. That's it is. It's it's. Um, it's devastating that that's what it takes because I think a lot of people have complained about their Twitter accounts being shut down. And, you know, this is true about YouTube. And I mean, all of them are censoring things. I hope he buys them all. I don't know. I, I Actually, I don't know what he'll do with them. So do we want him to buy them all? We think so. But we don't actually know him that well to know. But at least he's recognizing the freedom issue there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think we always thought it would be the government where this would be a battle and play out. But now we see actually we're, we're fighting for our freedoms in the tech world. And so it's it's just fascinating to watch. Well, to get into today's topic and and other cultural clashes going on, we recently talked about how the abortion issue has really exposed these national fault lines with states kind of dividing into either pro-abortion or pro-life camps. But now we're seeing the same sort of division playing out when it comes to these battles over parental rights and sexuality and so-called gender identity education in schools. Yeah, I mean, on the conservative side, of course, you've got Florida. This is making all the news. You know, they've gone ahead and moved forward with a bill that simply talks about education from K to second grade. This is not affecting everybody, but they're saying in those grades, you should not be able to indoctrinate kids or push sexually graphic content, you know, for, for these elementary students. And so, of course, the left, if you remember, they swung into action and they called it this don't say gay bill, which was a ridiculous smear campaign. But it was really nice to see DeSantis, like, stand up and say, no, you're not reading the actual bill. That's not what's really in it. And kind of fight back against not just the, the generic people that were fighting it, but even against Disney who stepped into it. I mean, it's been a, it's been a great 
point. But the bottom line is we don't want any grooming. And that's what they're talking about. I mean, it's an anti-grooming law. Let's not start early and introduce these concepts to kids. Well, I've actually, I think I've seen that this law protects kids through third grade. But one thing that's kind of funny is people have been pointing out everyone's getting kind of hysterical about this law that is very limited to younger kids in the elementary level. And it's like, okay, so when they hit fourth grade, it's like everything comes in. What's going on? Like, we're freaking out. People are freaking out over this trying to protect kids from just... Yeah, they could have have gone a lot higher with that law. Most parents that have fourth graders and fifth graders would say, yeah, we're good enough now all the way. You know, I mean, it is very limited. Well, the encouraging thing is we're seeing other states start following suit and putting forward similar proposals because I think it really emboldened a lot of people when they can see this play out on the national stage, you know, conservatives like Governor DeSantis actually refusing to be intimidated, not backing down for a change and instead just keep speaking the truth, just keep saying, let's look at what's actually in this law. It's about protecting kids. And one thing that really encouraged me I think a lot of people would assume that when a, a big player like Disney gets involved, I mean, they're they're pretty much, you know, equated with the entire state of Florida at this point. They get involved, you kind of think it's going to be game over. I mean, Disney was even trying to, they put out a statement calling for the law to be repealed, to be struck down by courts. But again, Florida conservative leaders held their ground, and it now looks like this maybe could actually backfire on Disney with um, a lot of parents getting upset. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, you got to remember, we've watched governors cave to the NCAA on other issues where you literally and it was like, oh, the NCAA says we can't do, you know, on a, on a different issue. So to see him stand up to an even bigger company, even more money, even more economic impact to his state, I think it's fantastic because it doesn't just deal with this problem. I think it does kind of give some backbone to the rest of the governors on these yeah. things. Governors, please take note. This can be done. Um But on the extreme other side of this issue, of the spectrum here, you've got states like New Jersey, where parents have discovered that during the pandemic, when no one was paying attention, the government developed these new sex education standards, which are rolling out this fall, and that expand coverage of things like transgenderism. And I saw some pretty graphic descriptions of just, shall we say, anatomical descriptions to kids in really young grades. Um, But just to give a G-rated example of how this indoctrination works, I want to give an excerpt from one of these model sexuality lessons designated for first grade, mind you. Now, this example was posted on social media by a concerned New Jersey legislator, and it's come to light that way. So I'm just going to read from that. And again, we're talking first grade. We're talking six and seven year olds. So let me read this. Um, This is how indoctrination works, people. Okay, quote, put the sign that reads gender identity up or write the phrase on the board. Ask students to repeat it with you. Now, let me just break off from quoting here and say, I mean, how Orwellian is that? I mean, like students repeating like robots over and over. Okay, so back to the quote. Point out that the word identity begins with I. Say something like identity starts with I. That's how you can remember it. I feel All right, again, I may not get through this quote because I want to give commentary, but again, it's just so self-centered. Like I, you know, I feel instead of biology or how God created us. Okay, let me get back to the quote. I'm going to make it through this time. You might feel like you're a boy, even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are girl parts. You might feel like you're a girl, even if you have body parts that some people might tell you are boy parts. And you might not feel like you're a boy or a girl, but you're a little bit of both. 
Victoria, want to comment on that? I can't even get over that. That some people might tell you exactly. are certain kinds of body parts. No, biology, biology books, the entire human history would say these parts equal this kind of person. But they're literally making it sound like that might be somebody's random opinion. I I don't know. The sadder part is when you untether basic fundamental facts and truth from somebody, their whole world gets flipped upside down. If that's not a fact, these kids, I mean, they're just unanchored. It's going to be a disaster. And the fact that it's happening in public schools would devastate me if I had a kid in that public school. Okay, can I just say, I don't understand their logic at all, because if you can say boy parts or girl parts or girl parts or boy parts, then why are they having surgery for transgender? If you can just say it's a girl part, anyway... It, just, point. it doesn't it make sense. It's just a matter of words. We don't have to change anything. But right. the more important part is one day, you know, a five-year-old wants to go into school and play trucks with the boy, and the next day she wants to go play dolls with the girls. And what are you telling her? She's gonna sit there and have to ponder: Does that make me a girl? Does that make me a boy? What in the world? No, I, I do think it gets into a form of child abuse. I'm sorry. I, the level of confusion that we are creating in these kids, and for parents to have to unwind that at home. It's uh, New Jersey better have full school choice is all I can say where anybody at any income level can choose their school, which I don't believe they remotely have. And that's tragic because bottom line is low income folks that can't put their kid in a private school. They can't avoid this. They have to work. They can't homeschool. And this this is what their kid is going to get in school. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. Well, sadly, we don't have to go as far as New Jersey to find this kind of disturbing indoctrination. We only have to look at schools right here in Virginia. Specifically, a video came to light recently from a training for educators at an elementary school in the Charlottesville area. Actually, it was from the Mountain View Elementary School in Albemarle County. And this training was being conducted by an LGBT activist group called Side by Side. And we've been seeing them go to different school districts and push for transgender promotion. And this video is extremely disturbing. I mean, I I think a lot of people would just want to weep watching this whole thing. Um, And I do want to just real quick give a disclaimer. If you have some little ones around, this clip would be a little bit disturbing for some of those years. So you might want to distract them a little bit. But let's just listen to a clip from that. Like the possibilities are endless of what could just really make a youth feel super, super euphoric and happy. This could also be interest, like giving them permission to play with different toys. Um, If they're playing a game with their friends allowing them to enter this imaginary role of like no like you identify as a girl and you want to play the mom cool like you get to do that like just giving them permission to play and explore and then binders or rest implants this would be more so at the probably middle school high school level but if you have a youth um just in your life who asks binders are essentially really really intense sports bras where they just flatten breast tissue to create the illusion of a more masculine chest. Breast implants, if you just wear like any sort of training bra, regular bra, you can just get these like foam inserts, silicone inserts that you just put into the bra to create the illusion of a more fuller chest. Totally safe to use, but it can be a very powerful tool to help youth. I mean, to me, this sounds like they're literally encouraging it. And also in elementary school, you play all the different things. You don't, you're not Nobody is stuck into gender type toys. I never told a little girl they couldn't play with Legos when they were in my, you know, nursery class at church. No, like they're 
this is insane. Yeah, it seems like they're crossing the line into, oh, is the little boy wants to play mom? Let's go over there and affirm that is kind of the language they use. But then what was really disturbing is the middle school tools they're proposing. Yeah, they're clearly, I mean, they bridged real fast from elementary school to middle school. By the way, this is an elementary school train. This is not a, a, you know, there aren't supposed to be middle school people, teachers on this. So you're already like hedging. And I feel like you're saying that because you are trying to make sure that we're introducing the full onslaught of where this goes as early as possible. Correct. I think that's a great analysis. And later on in the video, you see this educator at the school. I think it may actually be the principal making it really clear that according to their school policy, it's pretty much up to the kids to decide when the parents become involved if the kid is experimenting with trying to be a different gender. But that's just one example. Victoria, I really want to hear your thoughts on what you would say is the bigger picture here in Virginia when it comes to sex ed and LGBT indoctrination. Where do we fall in the spectrum between what's happening in Florida and New Jersey? Well, I think this is why parents have to be so on top of it is because there are so many things at play here. There's public policy, which is one component. There's curricula. And then there's individual teachers in schools. This is one little elementary school that I would say is is sort of beyond the anything we think the policy is intended to do in Virginia. And so I would just tell parents, they're going to have to get involved at the local level. We have a great tool for that is them watching kind of their local school board through our speak up teams. If they go to our website, familyfoundation.org and look at the speak up page, it'll give them some resources of how to do that. But I would say, unfortunately, you can't know except for your own local school. You have to check into that. That's an excellent point. When you look at the bigger picture, though, across the states, do you think we're kind of in the middle? Or are we more on the radical, kind of like we are with abortion? Well, we had four years of liberal policies being pushed, including transgender model policies. And so mm. we know that the overarching situation in most schools, for example, are that private spaces aren't, aren't OK and that pronouns are expected. So I don't know why we wouldn't expect that there's also these kind of yeah. trainings in a lot of schools. But we are making some movements toward restoring balance. We're coming back. We're coming back. (laughs) Slow and steady. We have that new sexually explicit curricula bill that parents can know what's going on. So we're we're moving in the right direction. It's just we got a lot of work to do. Right. Well, since we've been discussing all these controversial, really disturbing sex ed issues, I did want to share some good news with our listeners. A few days ago, our state health department released something called the Virginia School Health Guidelines on its website for public comment. Now, what was so concerning about those guidelines, Victoria? Well, they had all sorts of resources and links that went to things that we would never approve of. For example, actually offering abortion access. I mean, it was a shocker. They had animated video series for young kids that talked about everything from abortion to gender identity to sexuality, things that you just should not be promoting from the state level. And so I'm really um, I'm really glad we found it and flagged it. Um, just so you know kind of the history, we actually uh, saw it, sent out an a email letting people know that they could comment. So this is, you know, during the official comment process. So they immediately rushed in with like 500 comments within a day. The parents did. The parents. I mean, people reacted. They said, what in the world? It was kind of reminding me of when we had the sex text hotline yeah. and they were sending postcards to our kids and there was just a great immediate response of, no, this is not the role of government. Yeah, and it's encouraging that not long after that, after all those comments came in, that Governor Youngkin's administration took the guidelines down while they do another look at this, another review. Um, and so it's it's just really encouraging to see the responsiveness 
of this new administration to parental rights concerns. Yeah, and I do want to clarify just that these were guidelines that were pushed through the from the previous administration. So it's just great to see, you can just see the contrast that now we've got a new administration. When they're alerted, they're going to act. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! I just have to say, it's nice when we can have a positive component of our inconceivable for a change. And... This is really one of the best things I've seen in a while, and that is how a few brave college students, as young as 18, completely turned the tables on corporate media. So what happened is the University of Chicago decided to sponsor, get this, a conference titled Disinformation and the Erosion of Democracy. Problem is, pretty much all of the experts they invited to serve as panelists on this, except for maybe a couple of token conservatives, are some of the biggest purveyors out there of disinformation. I mean, we are talking high-profile names from CNN, the New York Times, Atlantic, as well as leftist politicians like former President Obama. But what's great about this story is I don't think that they anticipated, I don't think they gambled on having these few conservative student journalists actually show up to come ask some uncomfortable questions. So let's just start with one of CNN's chief media correspondents, Brian Stelter, who, uh, you know, basically got a question asked to him. I want to play his response to an excellent question from an 18-year-old University of Chicago freshman, Christopher Phillips, who is also part of a conservative student publication called The Chicago Thinker. Basically, Christopher asked him why the panelists were calling out Fox News as a disseminator of disinformation, but not addressing CNN's obvious problems with this issue, especially when it comes to the coverage of Jesse Smollett and that whole hoax and the Russian collusion stories and things like that. So here's a snippet from Brian Stelter's response. It's too bad. It's time for lunch. Uh, you have 30 seconds. No, I mean, there's a, there's a clock that says 30 seconds. But, but I think my honest answer to you, and I will, I'll come over and talk in more detail after this, is that I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. Uh, but I understand that that is a popular right-wing narrative about CNN. Well, I wish we had time to feature that whole exchange. But I highly encourage listeners to go and check out the video of these interactions with the students because it'll just it'll encourage your heart um, to see them having the courage to take on these media people. And the great thing is their questions and the responses went viral. And it's pretty much been a total embarrassment to the corporate media. Yeah, it gives me hope for the future of journalism. And let me just mention this other one. Uh, a freshman student took on the Atlantic's Ann Applebaum about why corporate media treated Hunter Biden's laptop story as disinformation. And here's her response to that question. I, my, my problem with Hunter Biden's laptop is I think it's totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or, I mean, I don't think the Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So I, I didn't find I don't find it to be interesting. I mean that that would be my problem with the, that as a as a major news story. Just wow, the total disdain and elitism oozing from that response is just astounding. And I got to say, as a former journalist, I don't know where she gets this idea that major news outlets are supposed to apparently select the news based on their personal preferences, what's personally interesting to them. 
Focus yeah. group of one. Isn't it fantastic? Right. <laughs> okay, I just got to say, you do not want me selecting the daily news. I mean, there would be zero sports section, all right? That's, that is that. That would be troubling to many people. Well, I, I think we do have to say the encouraging thing about this whole thing is, you know, we hear so much about colleges going woke and sort of indoctrinating all these kids. But, you know, we're not necessarily getting all woke thinking robots. They're not just necessarily going to all come out like that because here's some of these brave kids. And there's actually some backlash building among conservative Christian young people. So they aren't necessarily all drinking the Kool-Aid, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, it does remind me of another brave young woman that we heard from at our Nova reception, Isabel Brown. I mean, she talked about her whole experience at a, a liberal university in Colorado and what it took for her to be courageous. But now she's leading hundreds, maybe even millions of young people. So there's a movement. Yeah. And she was high on the whole Generation Z. She really feels like they are going to backlash, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, I guess that means we are giving this week's Inconceivable Award to The Atlantic and the University of Chicago and most of these panelists for managing to spread more disinformation while purporting to stop it. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.